0: everybody and welcome once again to the soldiers of cinema podcast with me as always is my fellow soldier of cinema mr Colin mcfader hello what's up, what's up dude not much
1: not much been a while
0: <laughs> it has been a while i mean not that our listeners would know but mm-hmm. uh because we our release schedule is often different than our recording schedule but it has mm-hmm. been a little bit of a break oh yeah by the way and i'm clark coffee uh, just in case you didn't know, uh, oh, yes, but yeah, so I've been away. I've been away for three weeks in France, and mm-hmm. you've been busy. And 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 you're gonna actually get ready soon to go on your own wild world, worldwide, yeah. wi- wild worldwide, Wide, wild, wild, wild worldwide the, adventure. We could talk it's about a mad, that mad, later. Mad world, but for now, in episode fifty-two, uh, we're going to discuss my neighbor Totoro, which is mm-hmm. your. Pick from 1988, directed by Hayao, <laughs>
1: Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> you did call that. You predicted it. I, I so did. I did. Go. I you was going to put money on it.
0: I, I, and I, I always feel so bad because obviously uh, the reason that these are sometimes difficult to pronounce is because uh, the there's our names that aren't common in my culture and then it makes me feel culturally inadequate and and then I feel like it's also rude so I apologize. But uh moving on from that, but yeah, so this is this is your pick. I think mm-hmm. this is the first animated film that we've ever done. Is yeah. that the case? This, yeah. this is our first animated film. So I'm I'm really excited and interested to see how this this uh discussion goes. I'll just mm-hmm. I'll do like a big disclaimer here real quick, which is that Although I, I very much like animated films, uh, I, I am not even anywhere remotely as educated, or at least I feel inadequate almost when discussing mm-hmm. animated films because I know so little about the process of how animated films are made. Uh, I've never made one myself, whereas, of course, you know, I've shot live action stuff many times before. So I feel like I'm so much more equipped to discuss a live action film Whereas yeah. with an animated film, I really feel out of my depth.
1: So, well, I mean, and, I'm the same way. I it, yeah, I I know not, next to nothing in terms of the technical aspects. Yeah. of but we like, can still like watch it and, and discuss and,
0: it as an audience, right? Yeah, I so, did.
1: I did do a lot of stop motion as a kid, but that, by and large, is much <laughs> yeah. more similar to live action than it yeah, is yeah. To, no, I
0: I mean, I didn't animation. do much, but I did do some, and my my stop motion uh films consisted of me taking my toys like my gi joe and transformer and Mm he-man action figures which might date me just a little bit there especially with the he-man stuff and uh basically i remember i would like um like attach like a like a pencil like i could glue like a pencil to their head or something or i would try to like hold them like out of frame and i would basically like you know barely you know like you know it was not even, most of it wasn't even actually stop motion. I think I only did that once or twice. Mine was mostly like puppeting. My, that's oh, what yeah. That's what you'd more accurately call yeah. my work, would have been I puppeted using no, I these action ton. figures.
1: I, I <laughs> did, like, all of my early movies as a kid were all stop motion. I did a lot of, like, Lego stop motion and, like, use the action figures and stuff. I, I love yeah. it. And, yeah. Uh, but that's, that's the closest to animation i, I don't I did want to get too do, far
0: off but how did you yeah. do how did you do a frame by frame then because i'm assuming you had like tape right you had a video camera is that how did you do no that so motion? yeah
1: well I, I used to i mean when i started and was using the like the video camera it would just be a really quick press of the record and really quick press of the yeah because you, you, know, you
0: can't really get an actual yeah frame. you can get a still yeah yeah, yeah
1: um and then i got a like a really really early canon i think they were called like cyber shot back in the day it was like the uh, I, early one of the early digital cameras like digital cameras mm-hmm. um or my mom got it i didn't get it and so yeah. i used to use that and at that point then of course you can just take pictures although my first stop motion ever was using lego released a a camera it was like a webcam that you could put into your computer via um oh yeah you're so much younger than me you're like when you're a kid
0: you had webcams uh although these things looked well yeah this when i was a kid we didn't have the web
1: or (laughs) that's a good point yeah yeah so yeah i I was this probably when i was eight seven um yeah i went to a i went to a film a a stop motion camp and that was where i did my first stop motion ever and um i shouldn't say my first movies were stop motion my first movies were much like yours you know Video camera with the action figures in my You're like my hand, hands off screen, them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I got into stop motion and and but I did in terms of animation do a unit of like Adobe Fireworks at uh, school when I was in high school. I never used fireworks. and so I had very very limited uh, understanding of you know the frame by frame, which we'll get into later when we get into the technical elements because there's yeah. one specific thing that I learned from that. That I think plays into this conversation. But okay. I do want to also get the spoiler out of the way. Uh, oh. A big twist. Yeah. Which is that, I and I assume that when I suggest this movie. And in case, you know, I assume for people who have been watching. For, the big twist is that Cat
0: Bus has balls?
1: That catbus has balls. Yes. That's the, <laughs> we might as well end it right there. Oh, uh, <laughs> the gosh. Now
0: we're going to have to put a mature on yes, our. that's no, 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 uh, explicit. <laughs> was um, that was that really what you were going to say? No, that wasn't no, what no. you were going to say. <laughs> but I,
1: for people who've been watching a long time, I can I can you know assume we're get that into you, the... you figured out that um, that we you know we go back and forth on our choices. That Clark will choose a movie yeah. a week, and I'll choose a movie. Yep. Um, and so I assume Clark that when I chose this movie, you had probably you know thought that I you know had either watched this movie when I was a kid or yeah you know had an experience with it but no this is a movie that I watched the first time in January of this year yeah so I was totally um,
0: surprised by that because I yeah. of course I mean obviously I know you you didn't watch it when it came out because it came out in 88
1: yeah 10 so years before I was born but so. but yeah I did
0: I did assume that you probably had a relationship with this film that went back when you were much younger so I am mm-hmm. pretty surprised um, that you had only just recently seen this film
1: yeah so i mean and that was the thing is that i i it was kind of twofold for me one was that we hadn't done animation yet mm-hmm. yep and i thought it'd be interesting yeah just to see what we have to say about it Even and though you again, picked a good one. Are, i are mean technically you know proficient in terms of animation or right super knowledgeable about the the craft of animation i think it you know it again it just kind of puts us more into the shoes of like a, a an average audience member right uh, much more than somebody looking on it with the eye of of you know a, a a, a creator in that way. Yeah. Um. And the second reason that I wanted to was because this is again one of those those like rare movies that I watched the first time as an adult. This is you know of course un unabashedly this is a children's movie. It's it's made for children. Mm-hmm. Um. However, I I was kind of blown away, and I'd seen Ghibli movies before. I'd seen Spirited Away, and I'd seen yep, Princess me too. and all those Howl's yeah. Moving Castle. Castle. And I was like blown away by how inspired I was by this movie that that I started wanting to write. You know, my own. You know, I've always I've always had a desire to um, not solely make kids content, but I think that like making a children's movie would be a lot of fun. And and you know, I've always kind of wanted to do that. And this really like brought me in this mode of like where I've been plotting up this 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 kids movie, and um, mm. it also just. For a movie that I did not grow up with, for a kids movie that I did not grow up with, I feel such a strong connection to this movie after only yeah. having seen it, you know, four months ago for the first time. Yeah, and that's interesting. I've watched interesting. it like four times since then. Yeah. Um, you know, something just really well, bit me I mean, with this movie.
0: And I'm interested too, because I mean, I, I don't mean to say this in any kind of derogatory way, but you're not far removed from your childhood. No, relative, yeah, I mean, Relative to me, for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that that this film has such a nostalgic effect on you when Mm -hmm. you've not, you know, you're you're a young adult and you're not too far removed from your childhood. Um, So that's interesting. I I I wonder what do you think that is?
1: I don't know. I mean, because we so we one of the first movies that we did when we were getting out of the Herzog kind of phase was E.T., oh and yeah i think that, that was episode, the first just, one right yeah and i yeah. i sort of said that like you know i grew up i was the younger sibling um mm-hmm. and i always like growing up with et like with the movie um always really really related to elliot in that movie yeah um sure because he's the younger sibling he's kind of like teased by his his older brother I mean, and his friends and i related kind of. to him and um, i didn't even he, you know yeah he's I, technically I, the middle child but his, yeah. his younger sisters is, is sort of more of a secondary character in that movie mm-hmm. um and it was the same thing here where it's like I, you know, of course, this movie's about two sisters, um, Satsuke and Mei. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I watched this movie and I think that they're both really well written and well crafted and, and well rounded characters. But like there's something about May that I just feel like, you know, speaks to me so like on such a profound and like That's fundamental so level
0: because i mean it's a four-year-old
1: i think she's like yeah, kind of four years old and yeah. so she's very very young um but i given- just i remember the exact you know the feeling of like curiosity and just mm-hmm. wanting to you know i grew up outside of toronto and, and there's like a big nature kind of not preserved but there's like a very large forest it's like a marsh down by the lake near my house Um, and I, um, you know, grew up a lot in there and, and like going down to the lake and there was always turtles and deer and sometimes Mm. deer would be on my front lawn in the morning and things like that. And Mm. so we had this very, very, um, you know, insightful curiosity about, about nature. And and I don't even think, you know, as a kid, you're not really thinking about it as nature. You're just thinking about it as like the surroundings of where Mm. you live. And, um, watching the way that May in this movie explores, you know, with like such a bravery too, that mm-hmm. there's so many moments in, in you know, in a lot of other movies that, that are similar. You know, the the opening of this movie is them getting to their house and they find out it's haunted. And mm. instead of their reaction being, you know, horrified, they're yeah. like, we're going to mar- march around the house and, yeah. and figure it gets to the bottom of this. And, and then, you well, know, it's a mixture, like, right? It's a mixture
0: yeah. of a little bit of fear, but excitement, curiosity, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a mixture um, of those things so I think that
1: that spoke it just yeah yeah. really speaks to me on kind of a like I really really relate to just that feeling and I'm sure that a lot of other people do too like I I don't think that you know I'm unique in having been a curious child sure Um, but I will say that this movie is unique in portraying children like that Mm -hmm. Um, in sort of not dumbing it down and not simplifying the kids you know May is again like we said she's four years old in this um and but she really acts like an authentic child she's not like it doesn't feel like she's someone written by an older man mm-hmm. it feels like she's like a real real and of course she's you know animated so it's not like there's there's a physical <laughs> actor portraying this role well there um, there is an actor portraying yeah, the role but and but, but not, in about a, not in a physical sense yeah. yeah um but you you just the the detail the level of authenticity and um the just truthfulness i think Mm -hmm. in the way that these characters are written in the way that they're animated um i think is is enough to really make me you know i'm turning 24 very soon old man month i know i'm elderly (laughs) um but the fact that a movie i that i'm seeing for the first time at this age can make me so fundamentally relate to a four-year-old girl Right. It's like that. How does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it, well, it just kind of speaks to the, the the level of which this I think is, yeah. is just really, you know, purely genius in a way. Well, I,
0: I think, you know, obviously it's you know, so so I'll rewind real quick to um, mm-hmm. to get myself up to speed with with where you're at, which is, you know, we kind of understand where how, when and where and how you came to this film. So for me, <clears throat> I had seen um, other films uh, the Ghibli films. I had seen, oh, geez, uh, I think pretty much the same ones that you saw. I've seen, because um, my wife really likes these films, too. and We usually will watch them together. We've seen, like, Kiki's Delivery Service, uh, mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle. So I've seen a handful of these films. So, But I hadn't seen this film. Uh, I definitely heard of it, because it it is regularly on, like, the top you know of the like best animated films of all time list right Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. this film is universally uh loved you know it's critically and commercially it's been very successful um which uh, even in you know around the world Mm -hmm. it's extremely it's my understanding it's extremely popular and its characters are kind of part of the the pop culture in japan uh, to much greater extent
1: but there's a there's a totoro house somewhere he, in Japan. He, there like is the house yeah. is like built in yeah. yeah
0: so so I mean a lot of people I think feel very much the way you feel you know mm-hmm. and, and when I watched the film uh for the first time I mean these are some of the biggest impressions that I had as well um you know I it, it I'm about 20 years older than you so it I experienced it maybe a little bit differently but you know very much I mean immediately this this the the way i kind of translated it was this it's very much a film i think that's about exploration that's about curiosity um and there isn't this overriding huge strong plot it's not a plot driven film it's not Mm -hmm. a conflict driven film it's not a protagonist antagonist film it's a lot of things we could talk about this a little more but you know these modern pixar and disney movies follow a pretty strict formula and Mm -hmm. That formula absolutely involves a protagonist, and antagonist. It involves the hero going through this this challenge and then coming out on the other side, a stronger, better person, etc. None of mm-hmm. that happens in this film. This film is not about that. This film is really about, in my mind, it's about exploration. It's mm-hmm. about curiosity. And it's about a connection to your environment. And for me, really, the nostalgic kind of connection I had with it was you know, i used to go to my parents farm uh not my parents farm i'm sorry my grandparents farm when i was a kid we would there was maybe like a three two or three hour drive something like that to my grandparents farm they, they lived on a working farm they retired when i was i think like 10 or so but they still lived on the farm my parent i'd go with my parents and of course i would run around you know just this huge rural area with like nothing but this you know house and then farmland everywhere you know mm-hmm. but my grandparents had like you know it- and so i would just like run around on this farm all by myself when i was young and you just explore stuff You know, Mm -hmm. you're like, well, what's over here? What's over there? And, you know, it's a
1: stick and it's a sword. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. And they used to burn their trash. So they had this like huge, like, you know, area where they burned trash and it would be like all of these like treasures of like, you know, old aerosol cans or like tractor Mm -hmm. parts or you know, all this stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, my God, in my mind, I'm like, you know, on adventures for hours and hours and hours by myself, you know, from like dusk till dawn, you're just like, uh, and so I felt like a real connection to that where it was like this combination of exploration and childhood imagination and turning everything into an adventure. Cause it, cause it is new, right? When you're young, almost everything you experience is new Mm -hmm. and your imagination is vivid and, And so it's this really beautiful combination of experiencing things for the first time, your imagination running wild with it. Uh, So I felt that uh, big time. Um, It also was really overwhelmingly charming and sincere Mm -hmm. and kind and soft in a way, kind of,
1: Yeah. but but not
0: saccharine, not fake, uh, like emotionally authentic, which is what you had talked about. And, and there is some melancholy in it with the sick mother, you know, so it's not, it's not, uh, that, that we've removed aspects of life that, you know, involve suffering or, I mean, that's there too. Challenge and loss is kind of in that, but, but, uh, yeah, I, so it, I, I, I sense all these things that you sense and it, it, it was really quite a, uh, like a pleasant, you know, um, not feel good but kind of you know i guess nostalgic it just it sort of
1: feels like just kind of like experiencing like that's Mm -hmm. kind of the like the mo of the movie is just like that you're just you're experiencing these things with with these kids and um
0: a sense of wonder you i feel like a sense of wonder and a sense of like kind of you know and i had this thought i was like god you know if i had kids and for like a tenth of a second i had this thought of like oh man I'm kind of sad. I don't have kids. Yeah, like that be a great So that was weird. Like yeah. I had, to, so my wife and I, we don't have children, and we don't have plans to have children. But this film, for like half a second, I was like, "Ooh, should I rethink that?"
1: It's it, I, it, this movie. I, I I totally feel that as well. Like this movie makes you like, like just on a very weird level almost like want to be uh, a parent like I, yeah okay to, you know well so, it, so because I think it's that's so a,
0: idealized yeah. like the father-daughter's yeah. relationship is very idealized yeah. the rural setting is very idealized yeah. there's this and everyone's
1: happy and you know
0: there's this like know. sense of community and mm-hmm. and 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 just yeah i mean you know so in a sense even though we do have the sick mother but even that her illness is kind of idealized in a sense. It's, well, I think,
1: I think the way, the other thing too, is that, that it's, it's everyone is, you know, there's, there's such a, a tranquility with the way that they deal with the problems in the film. Yeah. There's not yeah, yeah, many, that's a good like, way again, there's no antagonist. There's no, mm-hmm. but you know, even in the moments when, you know, the sisters are fighting or, or may the young, you know, it's going to be crying. Okay. You a, know, it's going to be okay, but you also get to kind of see the process with, with these, which, these kids deal with this stuff and, mm-hmm. and kind of put it into perspective. Um, you know, the moment when they're running home in the rain and may slips and falls and like face first into a puddle of mud and then stands up and is just kind of, you know, staring starstruck <laughs> at, at the fact that she just did that. And then before she can even start crying, um, Satsuke comes and pulls her along cause they got to get out of the rain. And then, five seconds later, May is kind of proud of herself for not having cried. Yeah. And it's like one of those things that, you know, everybody kind of remembers that, that feeling of like, Oh, I fell and scraped my knee and I didn't cry. And I'm so proud of myself for for not crying. (laughs) Yeah, So it's, it's so, I think so simple and, and it's a really great, you know, if, if you have children, um, a really great, I think way to show kids that like, you know, you can have issues in life and, that's fine you know Mm -hmm. you can you the best thing to do is to like deal with those issues I think it's very authentic in that way and I know that that Mm. Miyazaki's kind of like overarching theme when when creating the movie was just that he wanted children to be able to say like it's wonderful to be alive Mm. and and I think that that's I think that's the other thing about the the sort of darker elements of the film, which there are again, nothing too dark Not, in this movie. Yeah. The mother's sick and, and the kids are of course dealing with it. The dad's in uh Tokyo working a lot and and so they're they're alone plenty of times and you know, there's a lot of scenes where it's like it just feels very authentic in when Satsuke's at school and Granny brings May, they're not not the real grandmother, but she's kind of like a, you know, babysitting the neighbor, kids who lives nearby. Like an older neighbor, yeah. My neighbor, Granny. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uh, brings May to the school, and May is just like sort of crying because she just wanted to be with her sister at school. And she's, you know, obviously these kids are, I think that the genius element of the writing of this movie is that they, they understand that the kids are dealing with this stuff, but they treat it in a way that kids would treat it, which is not really being able to... vocalize that and say that so when the mother is um you know unable to come home from the hospital and you've got the two kids fighting and may's response is just to say that it's not fair and to start crying and they start the girls start yelling at each other and like that's totally how a child would would react to that situation they Mm -hmm. wouldn't they wouldn't express their feelings they wouldn't express their emotions the older (laughs) sibling of course would get you know, frustrated and just yell at the kid and call him a baby. And, you know, that, that one scene, that's like one of my favorites moments in the movie, just because it, it's dealing with these things, um, in such a, a, just a, again, an authentic, uh, way that I think a lot of movies would, um, make superfluous. They would make them kind of, not superfluous, um, well, they would them, gra- them. Yeah, and they would and, and often children care would end with them talking to each other about why they felt that like way. Adults. And there would be a very, you know, clear lesson yeah. and moral of the story. Whereas this really just it kind of I think on the inverse, and I think this goes well with what you were saying about how it's like the the characters don't really change too much through the movie. That it's more so about, you know, where you, you see a Pixar movie that's about like big change and overcoming yeah. obstacles and being a better person on the other side. I think the, the kind of like motif with this movie is just kind of almost like being comfortable and happy and learning to, to accept where you are and kind of like live Ooh. in that moment and, well, and, and, ex- and just kind of accept that and, and make the yeah. best out of that, that moment rather than solving every problem.
0: Well, and this is, and it's not a question we can answer here, I don't think. Uh, Certainly, it's an area that I am not an expert in. um, But it, but that it's one of the most interesting things to me. I mean, maybe it is the most interesting thing to me about this film from a thematic perspective, which what you just described, and you know, you can compare this film to its contemporary, you know, its equivalents in North America. Um, and of course that would you're going to compare that to disney films to pixar films which is one of the same now um Mm -hmm. but uh but i I, i'm curious i mean and i i think it probably does speak to maybe a fairly substantial cultural difference you know in in north america we have very aspirational a very specifically type of aspirational society and our our films often mirror this and and especially i feel like in these pixar and disney films right it's it's every one of these films is about a personal journey of growth, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're mm-hmm. al- they're always about, uh, you have a character, they start out at place A, they're confronted with a challenge, you know, it's it's scary, scary and harrowing and they have to, you know... It's the hero's journey in a lot of
1: It's the hero's journey, over, the hero's journey yeah. is
0: exactly what it is. And then, you know, and so, and then they come out at the end and they've learned something, they've grown, they're a better... They're in a better place. They're a better person. Um, And it's interesting to, I I feel like so much, and and I'm a big fan of the hero's journey and I'm a big fan Mm -hmm. of films like that. But I I often wonder what the cost of almost all of our stories being that is. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we have oversaturated our, our, you know, stories are such an important part of how we like learn to relate to our world and to ourselves, and I almost wonder if we've gotten to a place of, like, over-aspirational, of where it's just, if you're not constantly working on being a quote-unquote better person, whatever the heck that means, if you're not always looking to the future, like, then you're doing something wrong, you're failing as a human almost, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm so appreciative of this other Uh, this other way of looking at things, which is to be present in the moment, to be accepting of yourself, to realize that, you know, because in a certain sense, there's like a real egotism to this other way of looking at things where the world around you is there to make you a better person in Mm -hmm. a way, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, there's an antagonist. There's like these things in the world that are there to present challenges to you so that you can grow and get better. It's like a super ego. It's like a super like egocentric way of looking at the world, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's there for you to get better. And, and, and the reason for your existence is for you to become a better person. That's so different than the world is there for you to develop a relationship with it. Mm -hmm. And the world is there for you to be curious about. Yeah. And... And maybe even serve, as opposed to expect that world to serve you in your personal growth journey. And uh, you know, there, I, I I wish that I were more educated in more aspects of Japanese culture. It, there are aspects that I am a little bit familiar with that are really intriguing to me. Um, and this this animism, and an, is that right? Animism, the animism, is, yeah, is, yeah, is part of it. Um. I, f- I feel and maybe we all feel like this to some extent. I don't know if you do. I'm curious, but I, I I I feel like I almost have this like innate thing that I do with inanimate objects, where I kind of give them a life and a story. And sometimes it's almost even hard to like throw something away because I feel mm-hmm. like almost like I'm hurting something. It's got it, attachment. It, yeah. It, it, or, yeah. Or or that not even if like like personally attachment. I'm like oh man, I'm like hurt. Like this thing is a like it's a. It somehow mm-hmm. has some kind of soul or it has some kind of, you know, the way I kind of define it is that everything has a story behind it. Like it mm-hmm. was, you know, there's a story. Like this thing had a life somehow. and Like how did it get to me? How did it get to here? And there's like a life to it almost. So I there's like this way that I feel like I kind of relate to that. Totally.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, because yeah, just for those who don't know, animism is kind of the idea that like, Every item, object, element in nature, rock, like has animal. kind of like a soul um, or a even words can have yeah, like a soul or spirit or is some sort of you know connection. And I'm not a a spiritual or a you know a religious person. You're not a supernatural. As far as I know, right. you're you're not either. But I think Correct. that I think that to a a a very like you know beautiful degree, I I believe in magic. It just may not be. The magic that is usually defined as magic, right? You know, I, I think that there is a, a wonder to the world, um, right. That that just happened to come about, which I think is is spectacular. That that mm-hmm. these these elements are so perfectly in play, that we can experience these things. And so I think, so when I say I'm not spiritual, I, I mean more so in the yeah exactly the supernatural sense of the word. I don't believe that you know
0: you still have awe. You still experience awe. But there's exactly awe, there's, there's, yeah. there's and mystery. There's an element
1: to which I can still. Um, you know, completely grasp all these elements and, and believe in them just in, in perhaps a slightly different way than, than a religious person would believe in yeah. them. Um, and I think that that's a big part of it is just that the, and I think what you described as, as it being like stories is a really good way to describe it. Um, yeah, that's how I relate it to I've myself. I've got this, this, yeah. this funny kind of thought that, that keeps coming up for me is that like when you die, the, the moments that you experienced on your own in a way cease to exist mm-hmm. because if your are memory is the only thing that really preserved those moments and you were the only person to observe those moments and experience them, then by all metrics, when the one person, the one single person who, who experienced those, those things passes on and, you know, or, or if you don't believe there's an afterlife, ceases to exist in that moment, then so do all those memories. And so I think that that's a really, you know, interesting way to look at that and some people may think that's a sad thing i i don't i think that's more of a a beautiful thing in a way that that these these moments are yours and it's kind of like experiencing them with these these moments and elements and objects that have stories of their own that there's all these things that you as a person simply because you're experiencing them can can put on those those um elements i think that that's kind of to me a lot of um you know, I don't know if that's an intentional thing. I I, I I would doubt that it was an intentional element in the movie, but that's something that I also get out of the movie is just that those, those moments where you're alone as a mm-hmm. child running around and exploring. And, you know, maybe I didn't run into a giant Totoro in my, you know, the forest near my house and... and have a magical experience where i flew <laughs> but away there was on a campus
0: in your imagination that when but you were a exactly. child exactly you, you're similar. still
1: you're you you have you know the shadows on the ground that are cast by trees can turn into yeah. to you know goblins and the clouds are, are castles and things like that and i think that that's something that this movie really Gets explores, right. but not in a literal sense. It just, yeah. it just, it's, it kind of just lives in those elements. Yeah. Um, well,
0: you, you mentioned something I'd want to touch on real quick cause it tight, ty- you know, um, you talk about kind of the, the fleeting nature of things mm-hmm. and how, as opposed to feeling sad about that, uh, you feel like there's a beauty there. And I think that's, that's, that's a, another thing. So I, I'll probably butcher the exact pronunciation, but uh in kind of in the japanese have a phrase mono no aware which is Mm -hmm. like that it is actually the the reason things are beauty and i this is my own interpretation of this i'm not saying this is like but my interpretation of this kind of philosophy is that it the fleeting nature of things is kind of what gives them their beauty To recognize Mm -hmm. that all things are fleeting, so including childhood, and I think that's one of the reasons that you you can look at this film and with such love in your heart for these characters is that because we all know that childhood is fleeting, Mm -hmm. and that's you know and it and it stays with us. We have like this little kernel, you know. We always kind of carry that child with us inside of us for the rest of our life. But but childhood does transform into something else. We turn into adults. You can't hold on to it forever. You you shouldn't. Right. That would be that would you're you're refusing to accept the call of life if you were to stay a child forever. But Mm -hmm. but there is but that beauty kind of stays inside of us and like this informs us in a lot of ways. And oh, my gosh, does it ever inform us? Uh, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's kind of it's not explicitly stated that that, you know, their childhood is going to end. But I think that is a part of the beauty of this is that that we're, we know that it will. And we've all lost a certain amount of innocence, and we've all lost a certain amount, you know, and, and of course the, the, the people who made this film are adults, and they've gone through that process themselves. So it's kind of this interesting thing when you look back and try to recreate childhood in a, in mm-hmm. a piece of fiction, that you're kind of looking back on your own childhood now as an adult. And you're kind of interpreting that or, you know, trying to represent that in a work of art. Um, but but I think that's a big part of this. And I think it's yeah. a big part yeah. of our experience. And I almost wonder, you know, you having recent more recently transitioned from a child to an adult. Um, it's interesting. I I'd I, I be my hypothesis is, is that maybe that's a big part of why it, it was such a had really grabbed you. Mm-hmm. Um because you that's that transition's kind of fresh maybe for you.
1: Yeah, there's still yeah and you know and I also I think that even beyond being close to to childhood um you know I also work with with kids you know i actually the yeah. last last night was my final you teach potentially my final film class ever um oh wow so there was there was a little bit of, of nostalgia probably not ever i don't think there. it's your last film class ever i'm sure you'll teach again in your life yes yeah, yeah yeah but you it, have but, many um, years left where you know you it was a, a, it was a, the, a lot of the students had been with me for like five six years that yeah. um and you know now they're all going off to university and it's like i'd watch these kids grow You're up wa- and, yeah and there's a chance that i will go back it's not it just depends on where my life is in, in september but so I think that also not that specific thing that I had last night but just the fact that I you know I'm, I'm, I'm around kids a lot and yeah. I think yeah. that also kind of brings an element and I, I do also want to touch on um, one really quick thing which is uh, and this is this is related to what we're talking about that the so there's a fan theory online and I've heard oh, people yeah. I know talk about this um, you exposed me to this I didn't yeah, and, I wasn't and I aware of, yeah that, yeah and it's actually got a lot of traction weirdly which is that um, at the end of the film, there's a theory that the, the May and Satsuke um, die. Mm-hmm. That they are, you know, that when May runs away, that the, the idea of them being saved by the cat bus and by Totoro is them like transitioning into the spirit world because they've both died. Um, Which is so interesting. I have friends who, I I have friends who you know, when I said I first watched this movie back in January, they're like, "Oh yeah, and that ending is so sad. How they're dead." <laughs> oh, and I was like, wow. "That's so strange." And I think that so and so. Firstly, on on a on a like a literal level, um, you know Miyazaki and. Uh ghibli have said that no this is not the case right. like that they're alive you can look it up and they've explicitly um,
0: said that's not our intention there's also yeah.
1: at the end of the movie you see them embracing granny and then the credits are them like growing up with a younger like they have a new sibling and so there's and you all said that there there's was also a short the, film yeah so there's a short 13 minute short film called may and the kitten bus which came out in early but i didn't think 2000s. this for a moment yeah um, i was surprised and, to even you know that's this was, yeah. a sequel it's a sequel to the, the movie so they're, they're very much alive i didn't mean either when when i that was said to me i was like what yeah yeah <laughs> and i but I think that the, the reason for that um, is that a lot of people, and especially as you get into adulthood, um, they need there to be a grounding aspect on the magic. You can't just Whereas accept the surreal. What I think is, is exceptional about this movie is that, no, yeah, it's just, it is magical. There is yeah. no explanation for it. And, and I think that, you know, uh, Miyazaki is a really great, um, it's not a direct quote, so, you know, I'll... I'll paraphrase will paraphrase for a second but but it was essentially when someone was like asking what the the like function of the totoros are like what do they do in the forest you know are they forest guardians are they and he was like well sort of but that doesn't really matter you know because they're they're not guarding anything there's nothing yeah and he, he was like he was like they're just you know it's 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 as much as if they went through and explained that in the film what would be the point of that yeah um you know i don't i don't when i was a child i didn't see this like great big tree on the front of my schoolyard and think that it had to have some sort of you know you just think that it's something that's sort of magical because it's a huge tree and to relate to the idea of of like animism for a moment too that that tree when i was in this is elementary school when i was i think in grade four or five they cut it down Mm. uh, because it was really old and it was this huge you know probably i don't know how many um how high it was but it was it was very big it was much probably. You know, three times as high as the school itself. Wow. Huge. Um, and really, really big trunk and all that. Um, and it was right on the front. It's like a shame the it front had to corner. be cut down. Yeah, and it was just, it was just at that point, it was really old and it was a it was a safety hazard. But I remember it was like this, this every kid at the school, without even really talking about it. Had this like profound sadness about the loss of this tree, like it was like a friend of ours, mm. and nobody had ever talked about it before. Yeah. It wasn't like I came into class and said, like, "Isn't it so sad that the tree is gone?" Like we all just kind of like were walking home from school and saw the stump, and just sort of stood there for five minutes looking at the thing, and it was like, you know. So I think that I think that there is a you know a very fundamental element to childhood that mm. that kind of sees. Um, that you just you 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 personify things and you 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 know animism is. Quite I just a, have a thought. I just have you know. a
0: thought. Yeah. Okay, so okay, uh, and and this will be fun because we can tie it back to our roots with this podcast a little bit, which was our focus on Werner Herzog. But do you mm-hmm. remember when we you know when we were we were kind of rolling through some of his films, we were talking about like a landscape of the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah, and how you know Herzog would and I feel like he is, this is really a strength of it. You know, he finds these really beautiful uh, landscapes that when he films them and puts them in the context of the films he makes, I mean, they're the really extraordinarily like effective at conveying some kind of like primal kind of something about what it is to be human and, and live in our world. And I almost feel like maybe this film in a way with those with those characters are, are it's almost like an a totally different way to represent a landscape of the soul and mm-hmm. how our landscapes affect us and how we interact with them and how i mean because they're it, uh, I don't. I'm trying to articulate this thought as it's like still developing in my mind here. Uh, so I'm 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 hanging out there on a wire, but I don't know if the, this just makes sense a little bit. Um, yeah.
1: No, definitely.
0: Yeah. And 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 that's just, it's just and so having these characters, having the Totoro and the the Catbus and everything instead of trying to define them, right, as like, okay, they're guardians, and now, you know, we're going to, the, the the film's going to have some plot where they have to, you know, they're at risk, and, you know, they have to work together with the humans, or, you know, it'd be something like that in a lot of uh, North American uh, animated films. But they're just kind of there, and there is interaction with them and the characters, but it's really, and they're just kind of assumed, right? They're mm-hmm. not questioned, they're not, it's not like, oh, wow, it's like, but it, I think it's just maybe another interesting way to kind of articulate or work at, at a sideways way of articulating a child's relationship with your environment. And um, I don't know. Uh, well, there is, there is actually somewhat more of Or how I see it, yeah.
1: Um, there, because I remember when we were talking about the Herzog, when we were talking about Herzog, and then we did, um, I think the first Malick movie we did was... Uh, thin thin red red line yeah and we discussed sort of in that episode how there is somewhat of a relationship between malik and herzog and they know each other in real life and there there's a lot of similarities and there's also um i don't know to what degree they know each other but malik and um miyazaki are very you know in a lot of ways similar filmmakers Mm. uh in that there's there's this element of of nature kind of superseding like everything Mm -hmm. and but not divorced from from humanity Mm -hmm. that like humanity is a part of that nature Mm -hmm. um and i see that a lot i know miyazaki is really really into environmentalism and and is is as you know japan japan is a very environmentally conscious country um just period um you know a lot of there's a lot of environmentalism there um and so i think it's it's just interesting how yeah that it's like you said it's not that these they're the the, totoros the spirits the, the soot gremlins that are in the house are as much a part of the landscape as the trees and as the, the rivers and all that and so i think that that's that's yeah a really interesting way to look at it as um that those things yeah they, they affect the person you grow from from interaction with those things much more than from defiance or overcoming or something like that of mm-hmm. those things and i think that that's true to real life i think that as a child, you're, you're much more influenced by the passive elements of life than you are by like, I think the, the precedence that, and I, I'm sure that it's not just Western culture that puts the precedence on this, but yeah you know, having grown up in, in Canada, I, I definitely had this, that the, the precedence is always put on like the big life lessons that you learn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like that, like, well, that's what shapes you is the hard times and the, you know, the big breakup or the, mm-hmm. the, the you know, the losing a family member for the first time, that's what's going to shape you. But I've, I've found at least for me, and, and I, I'm i sure this is true for a lot of people that what shaped me as a person more so was the, the passive everyday mm-hmm elements that just the where did i grow up how do those things kind of like diffuse into me yeah much yeah. more than the things that in my brain i could compartmentalize and be like well what did i learn when you know i was rejected for the first time or whatever yeah. like that um and i think that that this movie really touches touches into that um yeah yeah well let's talk should, I mean, yeah let's we get into the maybe the technical let's get a little bit kind of yeah let's yeah. let's
0: touch base on some of these things because there's definitely some interesting uh technical topics to discuss mm-hmm. with the with the film so um, I mean you know one of the things that you know you I think is immediately obvious when you're obvi- when you're looking at an animated film is that you know usually you and I will talk about you know the, the uh, cinematography we'll talk about you know get get into some of that technically the cinematography mm-hmm. I mean there's definitely a cinematographer or a director of photography on an animated film and you know there a camera was actually used to make this <laughs> but the cinematography is a totally different, I'm imagining, is a, is a pretty different experience to be a cinematographer on a film like this versus a live-action film. It's like definitely got me curious. I don't know a ton about it, but you had kind of, I think, you had some uh, technical aspects you wanted to, dis- to discuss that give this film its unique look.
1: Yeah, so, so there is, um, and again, this is something that I am, am not educated on, um yep. to like a nearly the degree that that either of us are on sort of live action stuff. So I could be wrong. But my so one thing you notice that that I notice in a lot of Miyazaki's films, um, and Totoro as well, is um that there's, there's a choppiness to the animation. And I think that it's actually a really pleasing style. That like, you know, there's not a lot of motion blur in the right. sense there's that like when a character's moving blur. their arm, yep. it's quite... And even just like the way that they talk. You know, their mouth is open and then it's closed. And it's open and then it's mm-hmm. closed. There's not really like a, a a transition between those two elements and or those two frames of, of film. Right. As they are. Um, and I think... I think the reason for that is so in in Western animation, in like whether it's Bugs Bunny, Hanna Barbera, um, the Disney movies, um, that there is an there's a a job called tweening, which is done by the tweeners, mm. funny word, but it stands for in between um, uh-huh. or like between. Um, and what that is is that you would have the kind of animators, the, the talented visual artists that were that were drawing the frames and the characters wouldn't animate every frame. They would maybe animate like, let's say like one, like if there's 24 frames in a second, you would animate frame one, then maybe frame 12, then maybe frame 24. And you had these people who were called tweeners who would who weren't visually, you know, artistically talented in that way. Um, they would literally just do really, really, really crude drawings of what that movement was. And it would mm-hmm. be really, really low Lo fi. Um, And that's one of the reasons that if you watch an old Disney movie, if you watch Bugs Bunny, even if you watch like The Simpsons when The Simpsons were hand drawn, you pause on a frame of someone moving their head or someone running or something like that. If you just pause on that frame, you know, your brain doesn't notice it when it's moving at 24 frames a second. But if you pause on that frame, um, you'll see that there's like sometimes like an eye is like in the cheek <laughs> and there's like cuz it's just kind of getting the, the feeling of the movement because of course right. you can't actually get motion blur with animation hand drawn frame by frame animation you have to simulate that motion blur right so they would get these people to tween the the animation i think you can probably look up bad tweening on like google um uh, <laughs> and see yeah some and of you those can examples. see some, some yeah. examples yeah um but it doesn't seem like and i could be wrong maybe they just used more talented artists to do the tweening in, in these or movies. Or took but, more time um, or had greater Yeah, budget. but it doesn't yeah. seem like that was a. It seems more like to me that that the artist who is drawing the character is actually drawing each individual frame of the character, which means that, you know, and, and you brought this up, in, this up in our discussion before, but that, that oftentimes it seems like, you know, maybe only 12 of the 24 frames are animated. Um, and that's sort of why there's that choppiness and that you can kind of see, you know, again, mm-hmm. when a mouth is opening. That it's just when someone is talking, it's just open, closed, open, closed. And it's not to say that that's a bad style. I actually really like it. And I think that it, it lends a really neat quality to the um, feel of, you know, the art. Um, but I just think that that's, that's one thing that I noticed in terms of the, you know, that's probably the limit to my technical, you know, ramblings on this film. Because yeah, I, well, I we don't can talk about how really anything I mean, else our, about, yeah.
0: we can certainly, I mean, uh, talk from kind of a layperson, audience person you know uh some of the things that really stood out to me I mean I think it's it's clearly it's it's uh animated with great care
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: the characters are are hand drawn and we talked about how they're so expressive and mm-hmm. clearly animated with great care uh and a lot of attention to detail. The backgrounds I think are watercolor um mm-hmm. and yeah. I, and I especially noticed the really beautiful skies um But, uh, it's just, yeah, it's extremely pleasing. Um, but the characters are, I mean, you talked about how expressive the characters were and I think it is really, uh, you know, lends itself to this film. I think, you know, big reason why it has such an emotional connection and why you you were talking about, wow, it's amazing. I empathize with this, you know, four year old character. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's such a big part of it is that they are drawn so expressively and not just facial animation. And sometimes the facial animations aren't even really where you're getting a lot of the emotion. Kind of like you said, you know, it's the talking is like, rah, rah, you know, yeah, but, it's, yeah. but it's in all of this body language and body movement. And um, every little detail is, is really drawn out. And you um, get
1: that from the opening credits when yeah. you see Mei kind of marching across the, like that that the character is so expressive with the way mm-hmm. that they, they move. And that's like a really, really simplistic drawing of Mei as she marches across the, the opening credits. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think that the the other thing too is just that Miyazaki's direction, um, you know, the way that he uses the, the you know, so to say camera. Um, yeah. And that there's a lot of stillness. Like there's yeah. a lot of just kind of observational... Cameras just—you know—again, the one scene that that comes to mind is when May sees the when she first finds the totoros running around her the garden, and and they go under the house, and then she kind of goes over the like little hole in the bottom, is kind of crouched down beside the hole, waiting for them to to come out again, and they all sneak by bes- behind her, and the but the camera before they sneak by behind her is still on her for like ten seconds, like it's like a really mm-hmm. long drawn-out shot of just her sitting there looking at the thing, but it just again is this feeling of just like, well, she's waiting, we're waiting um and and you know miyazaki seems to really like to frame far there's not a Mm -hmm. ton of like slight detail in terms of like you don't really get you know some animators you'll notice that like it's all about you know the they'll always cut to a close-up if there's food and it'll be this beautiful drawing of food and all the textures and you'll see you know someone you know there's there's texture and there's there's detail and these kind of like high resolution element. Yeah, like these inserts, term. like these really, um, yeah. Miyazaki doesn't seem to, like he almost lets your mind fill in those details in mm. a lot of instances that, that, you know, it's often like a lot of wide shots, a lot of extreme long shots of characters just kind of in the spaces. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you look at the details of the things that are drawn, oftentimes it's not all that detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet your brain fills those things in. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting... Element to to the movie as well,
0: yeah. I think I mean the backgrounds, those watercolors. I mean they're they're, oh, they're not, fantastic. Yeah, there's and you're right. I think there's especially if you if you compare them to modern you know CGI animated films, Pixar films. You know the level of detail, uh, just
1: literal detail, is and not. I think, I think Miyazaki does a lot of the watercolors himself. Oh, uh,
0: that would be uh, yeah. I mean that's I. It sounds reasonable. I I, hmm. I don't know myself, but. Um, but but it's it's not the detail that makes them so expressive. I mean, I think you know when you look at composition, color, um, how space is used. I mean, there's some really beautifully cinematic um, moments here, where all you know all of the techniques that a person would use to create beautiful frame in a live action film. I you know I just some of them I, I when there's there are many, but I especially like when they're waiting at the bus stop when she's got the umbrella. Um, there's just really beautiful light, and that's what I think makes the mm-hmm. skies so beautiful. In some of this, is that mm-hmm. it's the the quote unquote lighting. I I feel weird saying this because it's not like it's. I mean, that's how it's drawn. It's the way that color is used in the the actual uh, uh, drawings or paintings. Um, but I keep wanting to say it's like
1: how light is used. <laughs> I'm yeah, like you know. I mean, but, it is. It is. I mean, a lot of cinematographers describe. Their work is like you know you're painting with light, right? But that right, so and
0: it is. But that's it's, and I think that's that's kind of shows you how effective it is that it's like I'm so compelled to call it light when, of course, mm-hmm. well, this is how it was drawn, painted. Yeah. This is how yeah. you know they they created that light. That it's not real light. They've actually mimicked light in the way that it was drawn and painted, um, but uh, but extremely effective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I mean I think you know we haven't touched on music but oh um, i love yeah i love the soundtrack well, i think it, it's um, it's it's got this really cool kind of interesting combo of like 80s kind of experimental synthesizer like kind, yeah I, I mean i almost got like i told you i almost got like a tangerine dream vibe for yeah. some of it just i it, mean i've got the
1: soundtrack downloaded on my phone yeah it's like there's this one particular track on it called a haunted house that's like the best i don't even like club music but it's like the best Eat drop in the world <laughs> are you serious um, i'll have to like, go back and listen yeah, to that but then there's the other ones that like it's when they're running around the house right at the beginning it's, it's just with like the a great, with
0: the little uh soot griblins, yeah, they the call soot gribbons, it yeah, yeah yeah um
1: and then there's the other the cat bus theme song that's like kind of a little bit funnier more whimsical is great um i think the two songs are, are a lot of fun too the opening and closing mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. Are, are fun and and um yeah so it's joe um joe he he uh, he his saishi Sayishi i think is, is how you pronounce it i'm so um, glad
0: that i'm not the only one that is struggling and,
1: here um yeah I, I just don't want to get it wrong i know <laughs> I, I did I, I apologize i understand yeah um and i think that he's done like a lot of the miyazaki movies i think ponyo his ponyo score is great he's always like very interesting but he does exactly that is he he often will like pull from inspirations of other sources i know philip class was a big you know well, he, he's and...
0: done video games too I don't know if yeah. but he's he scored uh, and I've played a little bit of, of one of them and it's kind of on my list to continue but um, yeah he's actually scored a couple of video games too yeah. which are interesting which are um, I, and I got I'll probably Nino Kuni there's a couple Nino okay. Ni yeah, yeah. games which are actually in their own right they're really beautiful and I can almost even see how they could be connected to films like this uh, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. visually and thematically. But I did, I'm did. i just learning that right now. I didn't realize he had also um, scored those. Very interesting. I could see how that would be connected.
1: Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, soundtrack by and large, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll
0: have to go back and check that out separate from the film uh, just so that I can kind of focus just on that music alone.
1: And then the the... So the performances. So I've seen the Japanese version, which I think the performances are great in that. Um, And I I I also think that this is a a you know a a rare occasion where the Disney English dub, which is the Fanning sisters, um, and that's what we watched. And um, what's the older one's name? L is the younger one. Dakota. Dakota Fanning. Yeah. Um, uh, That they play the the uh, May and uh, Satsuke. Mm -hmm. and. they do like a phenomenal job.
0: Yeah, they um, really do a good job. I think job.
1: that, you know, I think that there's there's a really, I, I it's rare that. Well, them being that, sisters,
0: um, I think in real life, probably totally really helps. helps. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to preface, you know, I was, honestly, I was scared. Like when we, so I, I always, I mean, I, I, almost without fail, you know, if I ever watch a film Especially if it's the first time I've ever watched it, I mm-hmm. absolutely positively want to see that film in its native language, yeah. without yeah. question. I do not want to watch a dub. Um, so I was hesitant when when I asked you. I said, "Hey, which version of the film are we gonna, you know, discuss?" Um, because I almost do feel like they're different versions. I almost mm-hmm. do feel like um, you know the Japanese version of this film and the English version of this film are almost different versions it's not the same film but with different Yeah I
1: mean you're getting different artists doing their different interpretations and, of the characters right And yeah. so I
0: was hesitant I was like oh okay okay um, And just I
1: guess for as a as a as a Disclaimer: The reason why we did the English version was because we weren't sure that um, HBO would have the the Japanese version. So
0: and it wasn't right yeah. and until I actually sat down. Now, just for those of you who are interested, HBO actually does. You can choose mm-hmm. if you which which version you would like to watch. But and but if you're we, in
1: Canada, they're all on Netflix. So
0: <laughs> and and we we had also heard that this was a an accurate and um and and really well done uh version. And Mm -hmm. I think you'd even you'd read or maybe hadn't you heard that maybe um, Miyazaki actually had input or. Yeah, I know. I know John
1: Lasseter was the person who was put in charge of the the Disney kind of Mm -hmm. dub. And there's like he went to Japan and uh, was with Miyazaki for a lot of the process and things like that. So,
0: yeah. So we did kind of feel a little more comfortable uh, than Mm -hmm. we might normally feel.
1: But yeah, I'd uh, say watch it in both. You yeah. know, I think that I think both for like again, I think that I was really the first time I watched it, um, pleasantly surprised with how how good the, the Fanning are sisters yep. are. Um, you know, I I don't think I expected that at all. And the Japanese uh, voice actors, um, who I'm not familiar with their names because of course they're not, you know, big actors here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they also do a really really good job. And the one actor who plays May did return for the short film. Like fifteen years later, so mm. the May and the kitten bus, which is yeah. Interesting. Uh, really fun. But I, short
0: th- I, I think all at all of the uh, all of the performances are quite good. I mean, obviously yes. mm-hmm. uh, Dakota and uh, Ellie, or L is it L L? I think Ellie? it's L. Yeah, uh, L, they uh, they carry a substantial part of the film. Mm-hmm. But Tim Daly, who plays the father, um, mm-hmm. I, I think does a really wonderful job. Um, yeah, I it's you know so I, I, by the time I kind of got into the film like ten fifteen minutes I'm like okay I don't feel so bad <laughs> it's <laughs> like but a lot of times you know the dub is just and and I actually it's interesting you know there was an a, a, another English dub of this that was done I think in eighty nine or so like right after the film was released it's my understanding that it was done for like airline viewing or something like it was done for japan airlines and oh and interesting, then and, yeah. and then it was yeah i would think it was done originally so that you could play on japan airlines for international or for right. english-speaking audiences and then because yeah there's a fox if well fox released that one 90s. yeah that's the yeah that's the one that's the version that fox released on home video mm-hmm. and so that was there for x number of years and then i obviously i guess the way that they did their deal the, that, the license for that or something ran out, and and so then Disney picked it up and redid the dub. Because I guess yeah. that, that original yeah. English dub was not considered to be very it's good. It's not great. Yeah, it's not. And, um, and I think yeah. they changed some small but important details, I, I think, in it a little bit, trying to, like, uh, uh, anglicize it, I guess would be the term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this later version doesn't do much of that, if, if any at all, so mm-hmm. it's more literal in its, um, in its translation and dub. So, but yeah, I, I, you, I, I think the the performances are really quite wonderful, and I, I had no idea that the those sisters uh, did that, and. And uh, they're they're pretty darn good actors. Which one is in? There's a there's a show that's on now. Where, one of them is playing L. Catherine the Great. I don't. Maybe it's the younger one. I think it's played. the younger one. Yeah. yeah but but and
1: L. Fanning also or. Or Deco- I think it was Al Fanning also played Coraline, which was uh, I think they came out in 2007, which yes. was a stop motion film. And, and okay, she's so, very good in that too. So yeah, well um, I
0: I can see where their where their careers have you know have uh, taken off because they they mm-hmm. both seem to be quite talented and they did do a great job in this film too. Right yeah. on. Well, can you think of it? I, I've covered about I think as much as we could. And yeah, Yeah. I, I, we got a little philosophical there for a moment. Which a bit existential. I is, which I think is fun. We got a little <laughs> existential, you know, and yeah. talking about some, you know. Um, but uh, I I appreciate you picking the film. I, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure I would have seen it eventually at some point because, like I said, my wife and I kind of are running through these films. But. Uh,
1: did you uh, did Amber join you for the watch this time? No, no, she didn't. But
0: I would, but I'm gonna suggest it to her, and I mm-hmm. definitely would happily watch it again. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that we will watch it in the not too distant future together. Um, but uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a, a really fun, uh, light-hearted, nostalgic film that was that kind of just put a little smile in my heart. So yeah, that uh, means next time. That means for me, I'll have to pick like a really you know, dark and yeah, uh, nihilistic. Film Sophie's to choice. Balance that out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the on the backside next time. But anyway, well, it's it's as always, man. It's been a blast. I I always enjoy these conversations. I hope uh, our listeners out there have enjoyed it as well. And uh, yeah, until next time. Bye
1: bye.